Hello, today I'm talking about Conspiracy Theory in America by Lance DeHaven Smith. I came across this book because it was recommended by, um, oh shoot, what was his name? Mills. Uh, he's, was on, he's a NYU professor that uh, NYU is currently trying to get rid of. And he's, uh, I think he's done a media studies course and uh, he can, and, or he's, he's a media studies professor and I think he has a conspiracy theory class or he has some, some, some type of class like that. But anyhow, he said that this book was uh, part of the curriculum and that this guy was a friend of his. And um, yeah, so the, um, the podcast, uh, that was the, un- I heard Thaddeus Russell on another podcast recommending this episode of, of his own podcast, which I've, I've caught like the Curtis Jarvin episodes of, uh, but I haven't, I haven't, don't listen to it regularly. But anyhow, this um, interview with, with this chap was, was exceptional. Let me see. I wasn't going to pull it up, but let me just see if I can pull it up here. Uh, yeah, Mark Crispin Miller, uh, unregistered podcast. 149 with Thaddeus Russell. Anyhow, it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I highly recommend it. It's a good, good conversation. Um, but then I also noticed that this um, Mark Crispin Miller was on the Red Scare podcast too. So uh, I don't know which which came first. Who was the trailblazer there? Um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's on audiobook. It's only got 73 ratings. Oh, sorry, this is on. Amazon UK, so it might be more on normal Amazon. It's about 272 pages. Um, so it was, a, it was a, it seemed like it was even shorter listen than that, but I guess I was enjoying it. Uh, but he basically uh, starts off with just saying uh, that conspiracy theory entered the lexicon as a catch-all terms, as a catch-all term for any criticism of the Warren Commission. Uh, Warren Commission was the investigating the assassination of JFK. Um, I'm sure you know that, but just for the one person out there who doesn't, who's still listening to this podcast, um, and he says that uh, uh, journalists and conspiracy theory deniers somehow forget uh, the proven conspiracies that have happened uh, in, uh, in high office. Uh, Nixon White House plot to steal the election in 1972. I guess that's with Watergate. Basically saying that journalists and everyone else, they just label everything a conspiracy theory. And like any anytime you think that there might be uh, some corruption at a high level, and it's just like, oh, you're crazy. You know, that, that never happens. Uh, and uh, he would say, well, you know, like, what about Watergate? What about uh, Reagan and Iran-Contra? What about Bush and Cheney convincing Congress that the, you know, and, and the public and the New York Times that there were weapons of mass destruction when there were none? And then he will say, uh, well, actually, uh, people, people will slough that off and be like, oh, well, no, actually, I mean, those are so obvious or whatever that, of course, they got caught and any obvious conspiracy theories would get caught. And... Uh, and he, I guess he would respond to that, that he's saying that the only reason why Iran-Contra got found out was because a uh, pilot, a CIA pilot, got shot, da- shot down and captured alive. You know, if he'd been killed, then they would have never recognized, probably, that he existed. Uh, and then, 
and then the fact that uh, with Watergate, uh, the burglars were actually breaking in a second time to replace a bug that they had uh, placed like a couple weeks ago that had gone bad. And the only reason why they were discovered, I, I assume they were discovered by like a security guard or something like that. But the only reason why they were discovered was because uh, they'd forgotten to tape the, the lock of a door, uh, the latch. And so it had, it had latched and locked. So it was really just, uh, you know, happenstance in those, in those bits. And I don't know if I've put a, a note further on down here later. doesn't look like I have. Uh, but I guess the thing is the saying, you know, um, is basically saying that, oh, people always say, oh, well, uh, you know, if there was any conspiracy, you know, a large number of people they couldn't um, they couldn't they couldn't keep a secret, and so basically he says like, oh, you know, really? He said Truman didn't know about the Manhattan Project until a week after he was president, and thousands of people in multiple states uh, were working on that. So, uh, at least that that's at least one. Uh, obviously massive endeavor that uh, that was not known at the time. Uh, he also is very keen to talk about that the founders of the country, uh, he said the Declaration of Independence was a conspiracy document that was basically just like saying that, that King George was doing all of the things that he was doing were basically adding up with the no representation uh, I guess fostering slavers' revolts and accusing him of uh, causing Indian uprisings that he was and, and the, through taxes that he was basically trying to reduce the colony to despotism. Uh, so that despot, I don't know despotism doesn't seem like that's the right word there, but he, des, destitute. Maybe I put destitute and, and autocorrect change it to despotism, um, so that then he could just eventually roll in and take everything away from them once they. <laughs> didn't have anything left. Uh, he also says that, you know, the big, the big thing with the, these different conspiracy theories um, is that, uh, is that uh, they should be viewed uh, in toto, or basically when you look at the conspiracy theories, you should, uh, they always see, they say, they say like the, whatever the establishment media or anyone wants to really zero in. So he's saying like, don't look at the JFK assassination on its own. Uh, consider that the JFK and RFK assassinations were serial murders, and, and say, okay, well, who stands to benefit? And so then, in this case, obviously, they're saying that LBJ uh, stands to benefit. Um, but then he would also say, uh, don't look at 9/11 as just a solo. He's like, he says right out of the gate, the anthrax. Um, letter attacks which occurred uh, I think weeks before uh, should also be linked to uh, 9-11 and they were initially thought to be but and, but are now not so uh, yeah really good to get into it all here he says that he, he doesn't like the term conspiracy theory because that was that was completely invented by and propagated and spread by the CIA uh, the term you can, I guess you can literally see where it first pops up uh, and it's by the CIA to try and uh, go after people that are trying to discredit the Warren Commission but he says it should use SCAD 
state crime against democracy, not the pejorative conspiracy theory. <sighs> he also says that, that same bit about con conspiracies is he says that you shouldn't um, separate the 2004 and 2008 elections, which he both thinks were fraudulent. Uh, and so, yeah, so if you're just looking at one, but if you look at the total, maybe like, okay, what, you know, what, what direction is this going? Why, why is this happening? Um, he, he says they should more, you know, view, view those elections more, um, discriminating, discriminatingly, uh, it, it's, he calls them coincidence theories that, uh, Bush and Cheney, you know, so many states, he said before Bush Cheney, uh, all the states, uh, would, would, you know, there might be one, but most of the time states would always match up with their, the results of the state would match up with the exit polls. But with Bush Cheney, the first time around, I guess, uh, there was never been so many states where the end result did not match with the exit polls. So that was something I didn't know that I thought was interesting. Uh, he says that, you know, they, they, there's a very, they very quickly tried with the JFK assassination to say, oh, how many shooters? Oh, there was only one shooter, you know, so lone gunman, lone gunman, uh, instead of backing things out and saying like, okay, well, wait a second, what about Martin Luther King? What about George Wallace? Um, and then also with, uh, with 9-11, you know, what about the f five people killed via anthrax letter attacks? I I wrote that note, and I think I was surprised that at the time. Um, I think I almost had to Google that now. How many people? Uh, this is good radio for you guys. Um, 2001 anthrax letter attacks. Uh, Amerithrax, I've never heard of that. America and anthrax. Uh, da, 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 da. Killing five people, good lord. Wow, and no one ever talks about those. Letters containing anthrax spores were mailed to several news media offices and to Democratic Senators Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy. I think I have a note on this later. Um, killing five people and infecting 17 others, according to the B FBI. And soon investigation became one of the largest, most complex in the history of law enforcement. And I mean, I'm a person who's obviously interested enough to audiobook this book, and I don't really know anything about this. Uh, so weird. If you go on Wikipedia, you can see the, the letters to Tom Brokaw and some other note, 9-11-01, uh, this is next, take penicillin now, death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great, that almost sounds like it was written by the CIA, <laughs> but I guess, so I guess they're saying that it was the CIA guy, there's another lone gunman, uh, because I guess they were trying to say, yeah, they were trying to say, uh, I think they initially were trying to say that it was uh, foreign and then it's been pinned on this Bruce Edward Bruce Edwards Evans guy, um, which goes back to uh, 
so I think I think actual conspiracy theorist people uh, don't like the sorry maybe I wasn't speaking to the mic there don't like uh, the Mel Gibson conspiracy theory movie um, but I liked it the first time it came out and I just showed it to my wife and we rewatched it the other a couple weeks ago and I freaking loved it I mean I think it, it very well could be uh, you know CIA disinformation to mix truth with falsity and, and make you know, Mel Gibson looks crazy, but I mean, Mel Gibson's a pretty cool conspiracy theorist, if you ask me, even though he's completely flighty. And my wife is like, I think this is how Mel Gibson is in real life. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I saw a lot of myself in, in that, maybe just because I want to compare myself to Mel Gibson or something. But um, it's great. Julia Roberts is, I never think of myself as a big Julia Roberts fan, but she's absolutely just so pretty and nice and uh in it that i could just I, I remember i remember her being great but his apartment is great and what does he say he says uh she says like can i have some tea and he's like oh yeah tea, tea is our friend <laughs> no coffee she asked for some coffee he says yeah coffee coffee is our friend and just there's so there's a lot of nice details about his apartment uh, where he, because he, he, every day he just brings home a stack of newspapers, and uh, to you know, because I guess this is you know pre, big time internet, and he uh, looks through all the newspapers for any, I you know things that he thinks are suspicious. So every night he's bringing home like ten newspapers, and then you just see the um, there have a a string, and then on the on the wall he puts a hook and he puts a string. And there's like, you know, a hundred strings on that hook. And so it's just like fun little things like that. The credits are great. Him just ranting in the cab, the font of the neon lights. And uh, it, it does. And, and then Patrick Stewart is a great uh, bad guy. And then it does get a little bit hokey and coincidence spotting uh, towards the end. But then I, I like the ending uh, so much. I don't know. It's just a, a tribute to acting. It's a tribute to the the character actors of that era just strike me as so good but so yeah moving on from to brighter more fun things than the freaking anthrax letter attacks that killed five people uh okay yeah so it was the atomic bomb was kept secret and then also the fact that uh the allies had broken the nazi code uh so tons of people knew that but uh that wasn't that wasn't leaked um this is the thing that's freaking crazy is uh, right after the JFK assassination and so basically he's saying everything starts with the JFK assassination but uh, the, the windshield of his limo was damaged and it was immediately replaced. The Secret Service washed JFK's limo removing blood spatters that would have easily proved a frontal shooter. They like literally did that like while he was in the hospital in Dallas like in the first thing before uh, Johnson had even, you know, and they'd even flown the body back. Uh, and he notes, which I've noted otherwise, that JFK had pissed off mafia bosses and a top CIA guy. He was like sleeping with the CIA guy's like ex girlfriend or ex wife or mistress or something like that. Uh, and then the Air Force did really not like, they didn't like the way he was going with Russia and thought he was an appeaser. Another I just, I've been avoiding it from the whole, you know, like, well, you know what happens here, so why watch this movie? But Executive Decision with Burt Lancaster, um, 
when was it? It's like 70, I don't know, 72 maybe or something like that. Um, but it basically just goes through what if there was a plot, uh, uh, what if there was a plot to kill um, Kennedy? No, executive action maybe. Yeah, that's what it is, executive action. Uh, but it is it is really just super uh, highly recommended. Uh, they also talk at the very well. I'll let you watch it. It's it's good stuff. But um, yeah, so he pissed off. He pissed off all those people, and it goes through like, what if people did want to kill him? How would they go about it? Why would they go about it? Blah blah blah. But uh, in that movie, the the fact that he is. Um, he is uh, whatever trying to slow down the the missiles and and destroy the atomic missiles and and trying to make us even with the USSR or whatever is a big factor in that. Uh, and then he also points to the fact. So basically, yes. Yeah, so, so LBJ just cleaned everything up. They didn't have the body analyzed. Uh, I think they they refused to have an autopsy done. There's a like a fight in the hospital between the secret service and the doctors like it was like a, almost like physical apparently and then they flew the body back to washington uh which was against the law uh and uh after the assassination there was they passed a law that made um that made the assassination of a president a federal offense so basically um that means that as soon as the president's killed the, the federal uh, authorities take over, which obviously he would say that those are easier to control than the local authorities. And then I guess I've heard, I've heard people say that, oh no, it was actually, um, it was actually like whatever RFK that wanted, uh, that didn't want a local autopsy to be done and wanted it to be the whatever White House or Washington doctor or something like that because they're afraid of all of the drugs that would be found in JFK's system. He, he doesn't talk about that, so I wonder. I, I, I thought that would be a, a nice thing if he would have noted or if he would have shot that down. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, he's saying that all the all the laws that let the vote, the VP disposed the president with a two-thirds vote in Congress. I don't know if he's saying that that was, I forget if he was saying that that was too high or too low, or if that was put in after, but he, he does touch on the fact that there was different laws that, um, what did he say? I forget what it was, but it's something, something that made it easier for the VP to assume authority. And then, uh, uh it's very interesting. He goes on to say, like, um, I think I have a note on this, so maybe I'll wait, but basically the idea that, uh, there's never been a president that's been assassinated, whatever, in the 20th century or recently, I guess, whatever, that, uh, or has had an assassination attempt on both Kennedy and Reagan had hawk, hawkish vice presidents with LBJ and George Bush that, that were more hawkish. And so if you took out the president, say your defense contractor, defense industry, you, you take out the president, you immediately get a guy who's going to sign and drive on your different wars that you want to cause. Uh, he goes all the way back just talking about uh, the Sedition Act which is very topical right now I think they're, are they talking about sedition with Trump and the, the capital thing uh, 
but Jefferson objected to John Adams' Sedition Act. Um, he says that the British version of the law uh, rejected, uh, you could still charge, <laughs> you could still charge a person with libel uh, against the crown, uh, even if the defendant was speaking the truth. There, you could not attempt, you could not obtain acquittal if you accuse somebody of something, they said it was libel, and then it turned out to be true. <laughs> um, but he basically, uh, he talks about, he talks about basically how uh, there's this uh, split. So on the left, you have Karl Popper, who I first found out about uh, through Nassim Taleb, because he really liked him. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm a Popper guy. And so I've listened to whatever short introduction to Popper. And uh, the more I found out about him, the more I definitely think I'm not a popper guy. Um, so he has popper on the left, beard, this beard guy in the center, and then Leo Strauss on the right. And so basically, uh, popper says that conspiracy theories are bad. They they both have a different ruling on, on like whether they're good or they're bad and uh, why they exist. Um, I forget why Popper says they exist, but Strauss, I guess, says that they they are a noble they are a noble lie, and that conspiracies are true. Whereas Popper would say that uh, they're they're bad. He would say that they're bad and they're false, and and he, I think Strauss would say that they're uh, they're basically the noble lie that holds the culture together. Uh, but I think this guy is, he's kind of a fan of Beard, and I think he says that Beard's whatever has gone out of favor. Um, uh, he says that the social sciences are just studying the downstream effects and calling them causes when they, instead of looking at, you know, why do these things happen? They would say, like, why do these different, whatever, assassinations or wars or things happen? The conspiracy theorist, I guess, would say that, oh, it's top-down manipulation by the elites because they have an agenda. And the social scientists would say, oh, no, it's because of a, it's because of a, you know, grassroots uprising, da 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 da, -da or it's a shift in the social whatever. Um, and so I think he would disagree with these, these things and tries to purport that the the downstream effects being causes is, is silly. Uh, he says, isn't it, isn't it interesting that the political and the American elite all agree on the correctness of the Warren Commission's single-shooter findings? And so I guess he's trying to say it's like, this is the thing where any good-thinking person would disagree that there was a single-shooter, but yet every there's lockstep agreement among anyone in a position of power. So doesn't that... Uh, doesn't that whatever cock your eyebrow uh, da, 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 da. and then I guess the reason why RFK maybe was assassinated is because he wanted to gain the presidency and then reopen the investigation uh, da, da, da. Is it, what is it? bank I say bank shot CIO memo 1036. I think it's CIA memo 1036. I don't know if Banks shot it. I mean, autocorrect. Obviously, you can see I'm tripped up a lot by my autocorrect. I've tried to be more careful in my note-taking, but sometimes it still gets away from me. Um, an LA Times review stating that RFK acts like there is no conspiracy. He's saying that this uh, this uh, 
paper, I guess that, I don't know, is it, is it CIA memo 1036, which maybe is probably a good Google, um, it cites the fact of, that there was no conspiracy because RFK doesn't act like there's a conspiracy. So, uh, so, so there must not be, um, which, uh, sorry about the chair move there. Um, which seems kind of, uh, you can see why he would maybe not admit that. Uh, he says 56% of the 27 most famous SCADs, state crimes against democracy, have been verified with court rulings, official documents, or memoirs after the fact. So these are obviously things that were denied at the outset. Uh, half of the elections since 1964 have been affected by SCADs, two-thirds by more than one SCAD. So he says, uh, whatever, JFK... In the example of JFK, you not only had the assassination by Lee or whatever, you had Lee Harvey, I was, Lee Harvey Oswald, but you also had the Gulf of Tonkin to try and create a raw, raw American spirit, I guess. Is there a pattern to the post-war presidential assassination attempts? Yes, that's the hawkish vice president that we've talked about before, that I already mentioned. Um, there have been three senatorial assassination attempts, uh, RFK, uh, Leahy and Tom Daschle. So I guess uh, uh, Leahy and Tom Daschle with the anthrax. Um, and he says it was only when they were running for president where the Senate was narrowly divided. Um, so basically the anthrax letter attacks happened after a Republican went independent and left the Dems with a majority. And, uh, and then he's saying that Paul Wellstone died in a suspicious plane crash not long after. I have not Googled Paul Wellstone. I assume he is a senator. Um, but yeah. Uh, is it when you say, again, when you zoom out, you can see the conspiracy of the connections and they make more sense. Uh, I guess he says the, the three tenets or things you should look for is follow the U.S. investigators' work and look for hidden agendas and guilty knowledge. I guess, and he's also just saying, like, if you just follow their investigations, you'll see something where they've seemed to be hot on the trail of something promising, and then it's just left. All of a sudden, it's just an abrupt, you know, U-turn or shift, and they start taking, looking at other things. And then obviously, like, say... Um, like he's talking about the Gulf of Tonkin and RFK or whatever, Anthrax and 9-11. And Those would be the parallels. And then, this is very interesting, specific CIA capabilities uh, like meme planting, uh, which I thought was very interesting. He talks about, yeah, he talks about um, the fact that uh, how would you recognize a CIA meme? Well, basically he says it, should, it would... I, mean, I don't know when he wrote this, but I think it was, you know, this was like before, uh, it says 2014, maybe it was just 2014, publication date. Okay, so I guess memes were in full swipe, but obviously not to the extent that they are now. He says that a CIA meme will uh, rise much more rapidly and uh, I think stick around longer than it should. Where it, and not follow the normal meme pattern of a non-CIA CIA meme that will just kind of, you know, crest and crest slowly and rise slowly and then crest and then be gone. Uh, 
9-11, I guess his big thing with that is why didn't they check for any evidence of explosives on the site? Uh, and then he says that there was a Cipro drug that was, that was uh, to protect against anthrax poisoning was given to the presidents and others, but why wasn't it given to everyone? Why wasn't it made more well-known? I think would be, would be his gripe with that. So he's saying, he's, he he's, goes into a big long thing on 9-11, which I I never heard of. Uh, so I thought that was that was a good takeaway from this book. He basically calls 9-11 a CIA, CIA meme, uh, where he says it swaps the target for the date and makes it more obtuse. He says, we never, we never call anything, any disaster, except by its target. So you have the Alamo, you have Three Mile Island, you have the Oklahoma City bombing, you have Watergate, you have Katrina. You know, so he's saying that it should be like the the World Trade Center disaster or uh, the the hijacking uh, the hijacking bombing, but instead it's called 9/11. He says there's different reasons for that. He says that uh, implanting 9/11 and it's 911 is that we're in a constant state of emergency with no end in sight. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Howard Hunt said that American politics is a struggle between East Coast finance and West Coast oil. Um, and then I never, I never really understood much about Joseph Kennedy, but I guess he was, he was more prominent East Coast finance. That I, I knew he had money, but I knew I thought he had like some mob connections or he was right wing or whatever. But um, I, I didn't realize that he actually, according to. Uh, Another book, Jim Rickard's book, that is, it's just okay. It's not so hot. I don't know if I'd recommend I didn't get a whole lot out of it, but yeah, there's always interesting tidbits. So I kind of just, um, and his books are pretty easy to listen to. So um, it's called, uh, whatever, The Second Great Depression or something like that. It's got it on the cover. It's got uh, George Washington with a COVID mask on, basically just reiterating, talking about it in the last year. But he says that Joseph Kennedy um, actually, he, he rode the, the stock market up in 1929, and then he basically, I guess, shorted the top or shorted it all the way down. And so that's how he made it. I, I don't know how exactly he made his money, but that's, exact, that's one way that he made a bunch of money. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But anyhow, yeah, Howard Hunt says, American politics is a struggle between East Coast finance and West Coast oil. Uh, and then this is, according to, uh, I think, uh, The Devil's Chessboard, which I've gotten into partially uh they're saying that the cia i i thought that the c i thought that the bay of pigs was not a cia operation according to that but basically the idea that jfk gave no air support at the bay of pigs oh yeah and then and then worse than blamed the failure of the bay of pigs on the cia they did not like that so they had they had enough motivation to, to knock him off um And then I think he, he talks about, in 1962, Seven Days in May was a book and then a movie, and it, it prefigured the JFK situation, basically talking about, uh, you know, JFK comes in and says, oh, it's the dawning of a new generation, it's the passing of the torch, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying that, you know, here are these, here are these guys that, that, got, that saved uh, the world in, in World War II, and they made all these hard decisions. He says, actually, one of the guys that was the... Whatever he's still top of the military, or 
or um, a guy that JFK was pissing off was a guy that had you know chosen to drop the bombs on on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and so he, basically these guys that were hardened, and they looked on JFK as, as just soft. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I don't. I forget why I put this down, but it's just. Uh, it's kind of like a Merkel, you know, whatever that video of someone giving her a German flag on stage to wave, and she like declines it. Uh, JFK didn't try on a, at the morning he was shot in Dallas. He was giving a given a cowboy hat as a present, and uh, and the audience was obviously it was cheering, and they wanted him to put it on at like a morning breakfast thing, and he, and he wouldn't. That's, that's interesting. So there's definitely some division there, um, and I guess they saw they yeah. So these hardened guys that had led the country through World War II, they saw JFK uh, risking losing the Cold War uh, because they thought it would probably require a surprise attack on the Russians. They talk about this site. He mentions this study that German researchers did called the Spiral of Silence. And I guess this Spiral of Silence, they tested it. It rising, rising before, I don't know, before polls had been taken to actually show what had happened. So I guess he's trying to say that the feeling was in the, the was feeling was in the air. The opinion was in the air, and so basically he was saying that um, uh, about people wearing political buttons on trains, or I guess being willing to talk. I guess no, they would come on maybe on the train with a political button and try to engage people in conversation. But anyhow, that was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, he's talking about how like the CIA just completely lost the. We're kind of jumping around here, but. Uh, CIA completely lost the door frame that had a bunch of bullet holes in it in the RFK assassination and uh, Bush resisted and resisted and resisted the, the 9-11 commission uh, but you kind of think like why why would why would how could he get away with resisting that or why would he what would be the reason for that and then obviously you have the whatever the flying back of uh, of uh, Bin Laden's relatives out of the country too which is interesting and then obviously my favorite of why, why is that the one day in history where NORAD was standing down but uh, anyhow that's another thing um, but yeah overall I think this is pretty short I think I I guess I haven't rated it yet but I think I think for the clarity or the, the new perspectives that it gave me I, I, five stars uh, four and a half. I don't know. It's kind of a. It's obviously kind of a downer. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. It presents some good ideas. So yeah. All right. Thanks. That's it.